Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. And welcome to the wonderful world of wine. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lindsay. And every week we bring you trending topics from the wine world. How are you this week, Mark? Everything's good, Kim. I'm, I'm good. getting cold, though. I'm getting yeah, cold. I'm getting a little yeah. chilly, too. My uh, yeah. my recording studio is a little chilly, so I've got a couple of sweaters on. But Need some yeah. wine. Need to We've talk about to wine. Part. Warm us up. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I'm mostly a, as you know, a white wine drinker, rosé, bubbles, but... But I have to say within the last probably week or two, I've transitioned over to reds. It's red wine season now for me. Yeah. <laughs> I need something, you know, a little warm. Uh, I think I've exhausted all of my Pinot Noir. So now it's time to drink some uh, some heavier things. I'm dipping into the California reds and the Meritage blends. And I think I had a, a nice Merlot from Washington State the other day. So yeah, time for some richer, heavier, more more warming wines. I'm the same way. I'm I'm starting to reach more towards the reds and the ports and something to warm me up. If you had any open port, (laughs) yeah, yeah, we do. I'm a big port fan, so it warms me up, especially on on a cool night. You need some port. So what's the first article you want to talk about, Kim? So the first article that we want to talk about, and this is, I think, coming out of how our industry has had to adapt a bit with with COVID and not being able to get together in person with people. Wine education definitely has had to shift gears a little bit because we can't necessarily meet in a classroom with our wine peers. It would be a really bad idea for us all to be spitting out wine into a shared bucket these days. So there have been a lot of online and virtual wine education uh, courses out there. And there is a new one that was just released that uh, we found interesting that is a wine tasting kit. It's called Master the World. We found a little bit about this uh, new thing in uh, at winebusiness.com. And it's an at-home wine education program uh, that was developed developed by a couple of wine professionals, including um, sommelier and a master and a master som. And it really looks like it's the kind of thing that I think a lot of people might be interested in because there are more beginner kinds of education assigned to it. And then there are other ways that even larger wine companies can customize it to train their sales staff or to train some of their maybe restaurant or retail accounts. So this is a subscription service developed to help you build up your palate and tasting wine. Their, their website, Kim, is mtwwines.com. So if our listeners want to check it out, that's their website, Masters uh, the of Masters the World. Master the World, right, Kim? It's, it's mtwwines.com. And I thought, I mean, it's a great idea, I think, for people to build on their palate. But I think what I the cost of it is more like a geeky person's cost, but a beginner's kind of education tool. Not just a beginner. I guess you could you could be experienced and want to take part in this because they're kind of building certain types to help you with your palate, right? Right. And I think that the price issue is definitely something that needs to be addressed, not specifically to this one, but that I think it comes as a little bit of a sticker shock 
to people when they want to do a wine tasting course that includes the wine right how how expensive that can be and i know that i'm running into that a little bit myself for things that i want to you know if i want to do an event with someone and i don't necessarily have like the financial backing of a winery or of someone like that that it means that the end consumer has to also pay for the cost of the wine that does get expensive so for this, I think that, I mean, the education, I mean, education is expensive anyway. And if you were to do a professional wine course, I mean, a lot of the wine classes that we do are anywhere from 500 to $1,000 for a certification course. So the education is expensive, but also I think people need to be aware that when you are doing a tasting component to a wine class that really raises the price. And people have to understand in order to taste, you need the product and you you need a variety of products and not a lot of them. Most of the time, they're all different cost levels and it can be expensive. I think the way they're approaching this is excellent. They give you like little sample kits and they're only like 187 mLs, right? They're the small small, sample bottles. And you had options where you could do one time, they'll send you a kit and the education materials, like I think it was 90 bucks, or you can do a monthly one for 80 bucks. But I mean, it's still a lot and you're not getting a huge volume of wine either, You, but you're getting the education to tell you about what you're tasting and, and how to taste it. Right. So you think it's worth it or not worth it, Kim? I think that for people who want to dive into this brave new world about learning about wine without actually having or being able to be in the same room as their teacher, I think that this is the direction that it's probably going to be going. And I think that at least for the time being, this is a good way to adapt. And yeah, if you have the desire to learn a little bit about wine and you have the means to spend the money to um, participate in something like this, then I bet people will get a lot out of it. You you mentioned, Kim, how, you know, when we take courses, the the cost of the wine, and do you feel that there should be more wine education offered where they say, just go out and buy certain wines? Or are they not doing that because it's so hard to get everyone to find the same things. I've that's what I've found. Yeah. Um, even in, in a local area, I've I've found it to be very very difficult to get even a small group of people all to purchase all the same wines. Because even if you're doing four wines, that's four bottles. You know the the price for that. And if you have to open all four bottles, even if you're not getting a kit like this that has all the samples in there, I feel like with only a a couple of wines to taste side by side, it does get expensive. Yeah. Expensive and and hard to find. That's an interesting point that if you're not all living next to the same retail that you bought those wines from, you don't know where to send them to get all the same wines. So that's a good point. It's not just a, with everything's now online, it's not just a, a whole United States thing. It's, it can be a very local thing as right. well. And Massachusetts probably. is hard because there's no like central database that you can go and say, who sells Naomi Pinot Noir, you know, and it'll pop up a list of right. every store that is selling that wine. There's no resource like that. So I can't be like, okay, I'm doing this, 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 and this. Go out and buy yourselves the wine because not only are people, you know, now dropping 60 bucks on just the right. wine, plus in addition to the educational part of it, but it is hard to figure out where to go to get those wines, especially if people are, it's hard enough people all over one particular state, but then it gets even more difficult when people are across the country. I know just recently I did a, a webinar with the Italian Prosecco group and it was people from all over the world and they sent out wines for you to taste during the webinar. And everybody 
had different bottles because they knew that you wouldn't never see that in your area. So they tried to send you one of something you could find if you tried. Huh. And, and so everybody ended up having different wine because they just weren't distributed everywhere in the world. So it's, Did that it's interesting make to see the it. education more difficult because you weren't all tasting the same things? Well, it promoted the region. So okay. the, all the wines were from the region, but you couldn't find that one specific vineyard in your area type of thing. So it, yeah. And this, I mean, this is definitely something, and this is the, something that we've talked about for years when it comes to like national wine publications, you know, there might be uh, a description of a wine that has a really high rating and you think it looks delicious, but it's not distributed in your state. So it's like very frustrating because you might really want to try a particular bottle, but it's only available in California or right. you live in, I don't know, Iowa and it's not available in your state. So yeah. This the is... other thing with that, Kim, that's aggravating is they'll say, they'll give you the review and they'll say it costs 20 bucks, but in Massachusetts, it's 30 bucks. You know, so, <laughs> right. That, that's or the vintage plus. is different. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. You can't get the vintage. Yeah. yeah. Different label. Yep. So, so I mean, this idea, I think, is a great idea. I'm curious if the wines they send you are actually wines you can get. So if you get a small little bottle and you liked it, I wonder if they tell you what it really is, you know, who makes oh, it. Oh, like who the producer is? Yeah. That's what it seemed like from their write-up. But then the question is, can you get it in your local area? Maybe not. I I was thinking it was more a private label things they mm. were doing, and that would keep their costs down. Because to, to, when you look at it, if you're sending 12, 187, oh, they send six or 12. I, I don't know six. I don't think it's six. 12. Yeah. So they're sending six. I mean, that's still a cost to them if they're second sourcing or sourcing it out. Yeah. It, then it keeps their costs down. So I wouldn't think they were using any major brands that they had to buy that way. You know what I mean? But I like the idea. I, I was looking at it, but then I got to the cost page. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> no, I don't know. I wish they had an option where you could get the material and not the wine, like you were saying earlier, to keep the maybe for, for half the price, I would have took the material and tell me to source out something. Sure. You know, And then but, you can check out the quality of the... Yeah. Education without having yeah. to splurge on the bottles. Yeah. I that's what I was hoping for. But it's out there if people are interested, mtwwines.com, new education tool. You are listening to the wonderful world of wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you'd like to get more information about Kim, please go to her website at vinitaswineworks.com. If you'd like to get more information about myself, please go to franklinlickers.com. We'd love to hear your questions or comments. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Next, Kim, we have an article that was in Wine Enthusiast Magazine, something that's been trending a lot during the coronavirus uh, pandemic here about box wines. And they talked about what are the best box wines that are out there and a guide towards the box wine. So, I know in the past, Kim, you admitted and told our listeners you partake in the box wine. You I proudly stand to... by the fact that I have boxes of wine in my house and my refrigerator. See? <laughs> See, sometimes you, you just need I... sometimes you just need a little glass of Sauvignon Blanc and you don't want to open a whole bottle. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I generally keep them around when I need, you know, a half a cup for cooking or whatever. But I've been known to partake of my uh, box of Sauvignon Blanc from time to time. 
And they have a kind of bad reputation of being inexpensive or cheap wines. Like I said earlier, Kim, the COVID, they said the box wine sales have gone up 31%. People want more. Wow. Or maybe watching uh, the, the, their uh, costs a little bit so they, or they need more quantity because they're home a little longer. <laughs> uh, it's gone up tremendously. And the, people should also know that, I mean, there's different sizes. You've probably seen three liters, four liters, five liters. There's one and a half liters. What's your thoughts for our listeners came on the box wine? I really like the size of the, I believe it's a three liter box. So it's the equivalent of four bottles of wine. It is a little bit more difficult when you are trying to pace yourself and not consume too much because sometimes you can get a little bit ahead of yourself and don't realize how much you have drunk. But I like having the option there for something that once it's opened, it's not going to go bad immediately. And that's one of the questions that I get from from people a lot is how do you keep your wine lasting a little bit longer once you've already opened the bottle? So the nice thing about the box is that once you tap it, it's still going to be fresh for weeks. And I've kept especially the ones that are white that I keep in my refrigerator, I've kept open for months. I feel like the quality of the white wines is better than the quality of the red wines that I have tried. But I've liked having an, an open tap of white in my refrigerator because I do tend to cook a little bit more with white wine than I do with red wine. So it's it's convenient to have that there. And then again, if I just wanted a, a single glass without having a pop open the entire bottle. Uh, it's there too. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned about the little tap things. Sometimes it just annoys me how they, they, you, they give you a little on the box. It'll say push in here. Right. And they don't really tell you that in there, there's a tap. I remember the first <laughs> time I got one, I'm like, okay, there's the opening, but you open it now and what? I'm seeing a bag, right? Cause the tap is not <laughs> right. where it's supposed to be. And, and then you realize, oh, there's a tap. And you got to dig around in there. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always a different direction. And then you take the tap out and it has a covering. Usually you have to peel off before you can, or you have to break the seal before you can pour it. So each one is kind of different in how it opens and, and how you secure it to put in your fridge hmm. nice. Like you That saying. had never occurred to me that different brands would do it a different way. I guess I sort different of always way. assumed that they, were, that they were all the same. And, and but yeah, there is a bag in there. Yeah. So yeah, there's a plastic line bag. And you have to position it just right in the fridge. So it's towards the edge. So the tap. The, <laughs> it sounds know. like you think that they're more trouble than they're worth. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think they're trouble. I just, you know, I think my wife gets mad. It takes up a lot of sh uh, shelf space on the fridge. You know, it's kind of big there sometimes, but. What, what do you, the whole, I mean, the whole idea behind the box wine was they were, it, they were toting the environmentally friendly, less carbon footprint, more sustainable product. Do you see that still being pushed as the big reason for box wines? I think it's that and convenience. So I not think- the quantity. Not, not no, not, not necessarily the quantity. I like the quantity, but I think what is really being touted is the fact that they're not in glass anymore and glass is ridiculously heavy. So when you've got them in a cardboard box that can then be recycled, I, I don't necessarily know about the environmentally friendliness of the bag itself because that is plastic. I don't know what you do with that, that, I, that one I've always thrown away. I don't think it is recyclable, but certainly for transportation. I mean, if you're moving wine from France to the US or from South America to North America, it is very 
heavy to move glass. It uses a lot of fuel. That's the, the one of the major environmental impacts of wine is how much fuel is used from shipping it all over the world. So if you can take away some of that weight, it definitely goes a long way to saving some of that fuel. But I think for people, I don't know that that's necessarily the first thing on people's minds. I think that is a conscious thing on producers' minds because then they're not spending as much money for fuel. But I don't think that that is what consumers are thinking about. I think that they are thinking about the convenience. And like I said, you know, this is four bottles instead of one bottle. So it's just one thing you have to buy instead of a third of a case. Yeah, I'd be interested to see a survey how how that's ranked by wine drinkers? Mm, Is it the mm -hmm. cost? Is it the convenience? Is it the quantity? Is it the sustainability? I would like to see how they're ranked. I I would think it's cost number one that people, the value of a box wine. Yeah. Because even if it's a $25 box of wine, if that's four bottles, you know, you're still getting significantly under $10 a bottle for that wine. Yeah, it's a it's a good value, and uh, a lot of people lately been jumping on the box bandwagon. I don't know because they're seeing the increase, but uh, a lot of big wine companies who haven't made them in the past ha- have jumped on it. Sada Home just recently released a box wine, and I know some higher end uh, producers like uh, Sokol Blosser. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, she released from from Oregon. She released a box wine, and this article mentioned most of the biggies mm-hmm. uh, that you see around. So. I think it was also interesting, Kim, I, in timely that I just saw an article today from England. You, you love talking about England, how they look at, at beverages, but they call it now the walk of shame to the recycling bin. Why they're thinking during the pandemic, people have gone to box wines because they've been drinking so many bottles. Because they they're have, recycling too much? <laughs> yeah. So they have a walk of shame dragging all the glass to the recycling bin, but with a box wine, it's nice and quiet and you can just throw it in the trash. And only imagine what the recycling trucks are thinking about all of us right now. Yeah. It does seem a little noisy when it dumps at my house. <laughs> That's true. You know, but it, it does make sense. But you talked about the plastic, Kim. Have you ever seen anything about the health issue with the, the plastic? I've never seen no. any downsides about it. I, I've seen it if uh, it's in too long, it starts breaking down, right? Right. I, th- I think because it's a single-use plastic, so it's like with water bottles, you know, as long as you don't keep on refilling that Aquafina bottle of water, you're fine. And I know that there have been some issues brought up with think with things like water bottles about, you know, degrading and that there are little pieces of the plastic that you might be ingesting. But I mean, how long has soda been bottled in plastic bottles? And no one has ever complained that the plastic bottle is somehow more damaging to you than a glass bottle with your Coca-Cola. And, and most of these wines we're talking about storage, Kim, they, they're meant to last like 30 days from the time you open them. Right. And also to our listeners, be careful because a lot of these box wines are dated for freshness. I, so, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to bring that up too. Yeah. Oh, these these boxes a have, have a shelf life. Yeah. Go ahead. It, it's a, it's definitely a key point. And I'm glad you agree because they, they do have best buy dates on them. So you have to make sure the retailers are rotating them, that you're not getting one that's expired because it does go bad. Yeah, that's sort of the ironic thing about the the bag in the box is that where, you know, whenever we talk about them, it seems like the first thing that we talk about is, oh, once you open them, they stay fresh for a longer time. But it's much less understood that that entire package has a shorter shelf life than if it were in a glass bottle. So if you have the same wine in a glass bottle with a a screw cap um, or even a cork, that wine is going to last a whole lot longer than it will in that box. So tell us before it's opened. Right. 
But tell our listeners, Kim, what what are some of the more popular box wines that are out there in the market that you see? So the the one that I see a lot and that is mentioned in this article is one called Boda Box, which I feel like has been around for a really long time. There's yeah. also Black Box, which has been around for about the same amount of time as the Boda Box. Those I feel like are two very reliable brands for people to go to. You know, they're not fancy, but they're um, very perfectly serviceable. And for just an inexpensive glass of wine, I think that they're probably some of the better ones out there. I think Black Box, I want to say, was the first one Maybe. I recall hitting the market. And it was one of those brands that started and it sold out. Uh, Boda Box is, is owned by Delicado, which is a, a good winemaker that puts out a lot of different products people see around. And then you have the Franzia, which is the five liter, the bigger box company. They're, they're pretty popular. And then a lot of our listeners and yourself, Kim, probably just saw a company called House Wine, which makes a box. They mm-hmm. just teamed up with the Cheez-It crackers. Oh, uh, yes. This is the Cheez-It package. That? Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. They put a box of Cheez-Its with a box of wine and they pair them together. <laughs> and it was selling like hotcakes in, in the store. So I believe it. It was a good kind of marketing tool to get people to look at box wines in a different way. It now brought you to the point where instead of just putting your fridge for easy drinking, you can also pair it with with something. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it was a cracker. But uh, and by the way, I still want to do that tasting idea with you. <laughs> all the different flavor cheese it's in pair of because there's so many different styles now. And well, I have so many tasting things that I want to do. Yeah. <laughs> Go away, COVID. Yeah, we just can't get together. That's yeah. right. I'm That's so better. looking forward to getting back to doing those again. Um, one thing I thought was good about the, the house wine brand is that they didn't start as just a boxed wine brand. They had bottled their wines in bottles for years and years and years and years. So, you know, this is a transition for them just to a new packaging. So they, they've got a pretty good track record for, again, you know, very serviceable, everyday drinking wine, nothing fancy, but, you know, very reliable wine. It's a good point because you can get that same wine that's in a box in a bottle, but you can't get, on the other hand, you can't get like Boda box or black right. box in a bottle. You can only get it in a box. So some winemakers are making all packages and others are just focusing on box. So mm-hmm. that's a good point. Anything else on box wines, Kim? You think, just that uh, there were a couple of brands that were mentioned in this article that I haven't seen around Massachusetts, but one that really piqued my interest because it's an obscure Italian white grape uh, variety. I, I knew you. Everyone you knows there. I love these weird white yeah. White wines from Italy. It's a great variety called Pecorino, just like oh. the cheese. Uh, looks like this producer is called Centorame. So if you you're ever see a me, bottle of Centorame Pecorino, I'm interested. It, you're telling me you would buy a box of Pecorino. I would. Oh. <laughs> I would totally drink a box of Pecorino. Oh, I can't believe you went there. Why? Why? Wow. I, I just, I'm just, if you're a retailer and you bought boxes of Pecorino put on your shelf, it would expire before. Oh, I would be the only one buying it. Yeah. Well, that's the point. (laughs) I say that I would drink it. Uh, Now you're staring the listeners. I don't know. Don't don't listen to Kim. uh, (laughs) I'm just kidding. Now I knew when I saw that in this article, I said, Kim is going to mention this box. Why? You know, those weird things I like. What? There's a lot of uh, high end, like there's some Bordeaux that are being put in box wines. There's just, there are I've some had very one. nice wines. I had wines. one years ago. I mean, it, it's great wine, but it's just a hard, it's like one of those hand cells for a retailer. Yeah. Uh, but when I you mean, unless working, it's for a party, I have a hard time imagining that someone would spend 40 $45 on a box of wine. Yeah. 
which is still a good value. Sure. Now, because it's you... still only, you know, maybe tw- a $12 bottle of wine, but you see that and you're like, oh, like, am I really going to drop that much money on this box? When you were working retail, you mm-hmm. worked at a very big retailer. Did they at that time stock a variety of box wines or is it before the big box movement? It was just at the beginning of the box movement. So we were shown a lot of different wines. We were shown things from the Rhone Valley and things from Bordeaux and things from Italy and things from California all over the place. But it was not a product that a lot of people, frankly, were looking for. And I think that expensive price point was very scary for people. Was it yeah, something it was a very, thought? very difficult sell to sell anything over nineteen ninety nine for a box wine. Was it something they thought as a distributor was going to trend huge in in the coming years, did they see it as a as a big you know ticket thing? That was the trend? shtick that they were telling us, but I don't think that that ever happened. Yeah, those expensive ones. Well, you know what they did though, though Kim, they did start making the smaller boxes. They started out with the bigger, you know, the four or five leaves, then they started the threes, and then the one and a halfs, and then now they have the individual little mm-hmm. you know juice boxes, yeah, which is still a box wine that you know they tried all different things with it. But those don't have a bag in them, do they? You know, I don't think so. I think it's just a Tetra Pack. Is it's yeah, ba- Tetra Pack. It's like that's a, that's yeah, the word I couldn't think it's of. It's lined anyway okay. with something. Yeah. So whether you have juice in there, whether you have wine in there. Yeah. It's still a box. Still a box. That's true. What, a, what about if you ever bought a rosé in a box? I don't think I have. So that would be something that I feel like would be, you know, very much a popular item for summertime drinking for people. See, I think that's interesting because the box thing is trending and popular. And rosé is very trending and popular, but two together, you don't see. Did you have any in the store this past summer, rosé in a box? I had the uh, Barefoot rosé, which was a new product. Mm -hmm. Uh, So maybe it's just that the producers haven't caught up on putting those two together. Then you look at it the other way, the the Franzia, like white Zin, which is, you know, pink and uh, sunset blush, those type of things are very popular. But dry rosé in a box just doesn't seem to be popular, which I think is Coming in 2021, rosé in a box. (laughs) I would buy a bottle. I would buy a box of rosé and keep it in my fridge. So mostly white wines you buy for box? I've tried a few of both. I think that you're getting, if you put them side by side, for me personally, I feel like the quality of the white wines is a little bit better than the quality of the red wines. And I don't know if it's because I'm storing the whites in the fridge and the reds not in the fridge, but they do seem to last a little bit longer for the whites and that the reds seem to go downhill a little bit quicker. But again, that could be 100% just the temperature that I'm storing them at. So on a white, are you Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay? Sauvignon Blanc, because that's what I drink and it's what I cook with. All right, so here's my so. follow-up question, Kim. I, mm-hmm. I know and Pecorino. A person, a <laughs> listener, a student says to you, Kim, all I'm drinking is box Samuel Blanc. And I know you have a big thing where you say, if you drink this drink, I recommend this. So if they say I drink box Samuel Blanc, you would say you should try what? What should they go to? Am I giving them Put another the box spot. recommendation or am I giving them uh, another wh- how type would of you, wine? How would you approach it? If they say, all I drink is box Sauvignon Blanc. You, you, I know you, you, you're big on, that's your whole business card says, if you're drinking this, try <laughs> this. Would you recommend them another box wine, just a better maybe producer? Or I might. I might try to get them. Um, to a better quality one in a box. If they, def- if they definitely want to stick to that boxed format, then 
yeah, I, I don't, I wouldn't have any problem with them staying in there, but they will have more variety if they go beyond the box. So I might try to be like, okay, if this is what you like, but you want to upgrade just a little bit, I would show them other Sauvignon Blancs, but in bottles and maybe from a variety of places in the world, because I've found that, you know, generally if you like Sauvignon Blanc from one place, there are ones from other places in the world that will appeal to your palate too. I mean, it's not hundred percent accurate, but that kind of thing. Or I would direct them to some other grape varieties that they maybe had never heard of before, but have a similar style. So I might give them a Verdejo from Spain, or I might give them, you know, a Greco de Tufo from Italy or something like that. So something else that would have a lot of similarities to those Sauvignon Blancs, but maybe might be slightly different and maybe, you know, upgrading a notch. Or two. I like how you approach that. I, I just find it interesting to see what you would say, knowing when someone drinks just one thing and how you would move them off or keep them level. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think like a lot you... of people are just happy drinking their one thing. Yeah. <laughs> and no, I don't necessarily yeah. have a problem with that either. A lot of people, we say it all the time, you like what you like, but we can always come up with something to uh, kind of give you a recommendation for. Sure. So, yep. yeah. If you want, when you want to try new things, um, we're here for you. Thank you for listening to us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lenzi and Kim Simone. You can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. We'd love to get your questions and comments, and we might even answer your questions on the air. And you can find past episodes of our show on SoundCloud and iTunes. Cheers. Wine, wine, wine.